we are concluding uh, today our series in First Timothy. How many of you guys have been enjoying the series in First Timothy? Been having a lot of fun enjoying that. Uh, having a good time. Well, today we're going to conclude that. And then next week, the 18th, we are going to be having our, our Christmas program. And, uh, you know, we've done some things in the past with the kids coming in and singing songs. And we thought we we're going to mix that in with the preaching of the word. So it's going to be a fun time. So I want to encourage you to come back next week as the kids will be up here doing some stuff. And we're going to read the Christmas story. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And then on the 24th Christmas Eve, we're going to have a candlelight service. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun, about 50 minutes. And so we've been prayer walking. Uh, the neighborhood, handing out invitations to the Christmas Eve service. If you would like to grab some prayer walk cards, I believe we have some at the information stand. And so grab some of those and invite your friends to the 24th. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. Last night, we had our um, partner in ministry Christmas party. Come on, who was here for that? Just come on, give me a shout out if you were here for that. We had a good time. Now, not all the partners in ministry were able to make it, uh, but we gave away some sick prizes. Come on. We gave away a 3D Blu-ray player, Okay. Uh, we didn't give away the TV to go with it, but it does play Blu-ray. Come on, somebody. Hooks up to Netflix. And uh, we gave away a $100 gift card uh, to uh, 10 different restaurants in the area, um, as well as some other prizes. We just had a good time uh, just partying together. Uh, one thing you're going to learn about Urban Church is we like to party together and uh, have fun. And uh, hopefully you feel a little bit of that when you come here on Sunday mornings. We like to celebrate Jesus. How many of you guys think it's a good thing that church celebrates Jesus? Yeah. All right. Come on. Well, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, as we conclude today, uh, I'm excited about today's message um, because up until this point, we've been really talking about the content of, of uh, 1 Timothy, the letter that Paul wrote from Macedonia to Timothy as he's in Ephesus, obviously battling some difficulty. We've been really dealing with the content, and although there's a lot of content that we could deal with here uh, in 1 Timothy 6, I don't really want to so much deal with the content as much as I want to deal with the spirit of the letter and what, and, and what Paul was really trying to get across, not so much in content, but what he was trying to do to Timothy. And so we're going to talk about some of those things today. Um, as we read through it. Here's something we need to understand as we conclude today is that uh, in Paul's mind, this could possibly be the last thing that he would ever write to Timothy. He wasn't thinking that, you know, okay, four to six years from now, I'll write another letter and they'll call it 2 Timothy someday, okay? Paul didn't know that in his mind that he would write another letter four to six years later uh, encouraging Timothy again and giving him some more information. In Paul's mind, he's getting older in age. He's in prison again. Come on, this guy's always finding himself in prison. And when he does, he, he puts it to good use and writes some letters. And so he doesn't know that, okay, I'm going to write this and then I'll write another one later. In his mind, this could possibly be the last thing he'll ever communicate to Timothy. And he, so he gives him a lot of instructions, gives him a lot of things, but he also does something within the letter, and that is he encourages Timothy. And I think it's so interesting as we conclude today, as we read through chapter 6, we're going to see some similarities between chapter 1 and chapter 6. Uh, some things that, that Paul even uh, says, the, his word choice, uh, the people that Timothy's battling against, those that would have bad doctrine or evil doctrine or doctrine that's contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about people swerving again. Uh, you can really pick up in chapter 6 that Paul is, is really urging Timothy to contend for the faith. He's encouraged him, come on, Timothy, you can do this. Uh, he uses this statement, oh, Timothy. Uh, oh, man of God, twice in, in chapter 6. What is that? That's giving some weight to what he's saying. Hey, come on, check in now. You've got to hear what I'm about to tell you because this is very important. Yeah. And so there's some similarities. I was a psychology major, and one thing we learned, and you probably know this as well, it's usually the things we hear first and the things we hear last that we remember the most. Mm -hmm. And so there's some similarities between chapter 1 and chapter 6. And, and so let's read some of those things, and you're going to pick up on 
fighting and contending for the faith, people that are swerving from the truth, you're going to hear once again that it's all about Christ. Chapter 6, verse 1, 1 Timothy. Let all who are under a yoke as slaves regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and that the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not uh, uh, be disrespectful on the ground that they are uh, brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ, because it's all about him, and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit. Wow. Those are some pretty strong words right there, huh? Next time you're talking with someone who doesn't agree with you, just say, you are so puffed up. <laughs> because you are conceited. Quote. Okay. Puffed up with conceit. Wow. And understands nothing. Whoa. Are you guys looking at this? Are you looking on the screens? You're reading your Bible? Does that, like, shock you at all? I mean, these are some pretty powerful words being used right here. Okay? These people that disagree with you, Timothy... Man, they're puffed up with conceit. Really? You know what they understand? Nothing. Idiots. All right, moving right along. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Now, there is great, um, great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into uh, many sense, uh, senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now notice it doesn't say that the love of money is evil. Okay? It's the root of all kinds of evil. Okay? It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about uh, which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Amen. He didn't stop there. He kept going. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are, not, uh, they are to do good to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. In other words, it gives context to their prosperity. Use it for the gain of the kingdom. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard 
the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together that, uh, Lord, you would just cause uh, this word to come alive inside of us, that, that today, Lord, we would be challenged, God, we would be stretched, but God, we'd also be encouraged, and we walk away from this place, uh, Lord, with great faith and great hope, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So much that I would love to touch on uh, in this passage. It's so loaded with so much content. Um, But as I was preparing and getting ready, uh, I'm not going to so much get into the content. As I said earlier, I want to get into the spirit of the whole entire letter. In in verses 1 and 2, though, I mean, uh, we could touch on the fact that that Paul is challenging those uh, who aren't necessarily slaves as we would know slaves, but they are bond servants, okay? They are people that that are bound to this employer, and they give them their service. And in, in context, what Paul is saying here, he's saying, listen, if you are a bondservant and you're a believing bondservant, um, don't be haughty. Don't think less of your employer because he's not a Christian. Um, but you know what? Serve them with more excellence and hopefully you'll win them over. Okay? And if you're a bondservant, you're a believer, and the one that's your employer is a believer, man, work really hard because it benefits both of you. Okay? And then Paul begins to go in, and he really begins to talk about two opposing kingdoms. He begins to talk about a kingdom, a worldly kingdom that is, that is ruled by riches and prosperity. Now listen to me, there's nothing wrong if, if you're here today and you're a business person, or, or maybe God's gifted you and graced you with the ability to make money, and maybe you have more money than someone else. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. But what Paul is addressing here is that, that people are literally beginning to look at this wealth and this increase as more than someone that doesn't have it, okay? They, they begin to esteem themselves. They begin to esteem themselves higher than others. Not only that, in, in, in context here, people are actually using their godliness for selfish gain, okay? And so now we see two opposing worlds, one that's a worldly view system and one that's a godly world system. And Paul says this, look, man, uh, you know what's great gain? I'll tell you what great gain is. Great gain is godliness with learning how to be content. Now, Paul knew something about this, and he writes about it later uh, in some of his other letters. Uh, He talks about how in every situation, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I've learned something in both those situations. I've learned to be content. Okay? Something that I'm sure many of us go through on a daily basis, right? That, that, man, we're content when money's in the bank, bills are paid for, man, kids are behaving. Yeah, someone out there's like, that's a miracle, right? You know, things are, are going so good, you know, and man, I can be content in that situation, but then, you know, when, when the car breaks down and I got to pay for this bill and the kids are acting up and this is happening, I don't know how to be content. Paul is saying this, listen to me, Okay? Paul is saying to Timothy, listen to me, Timothy, okay? I, I need you to learn this, this thing right here. Be godly and be content at the same time, okay? Learn to be content. Now, that doesn't mean we can't contend for more, ladies and gentlemen, okay? In your state of being content with what you have, there is nothing wrong with contending for more. So Paul now draws uh, these two parallel worlds, really, and uh, he begins to talk about some different things. I love what he does in this next, this next portion. Uh, he, he really just begins to say, hey, look, I know who you're dealing with. He talked about it in chapter one. He's been talking about it all the way through. I know who you're dealing with, and I know you've been dealing with them for a long time, but here's some more things you need to understand. If they come against the truth of God, what they're saying is this. They're actually saying that they know more than God, and if they say that, they're idiots. 
Okay? Look at it. What does he say? He says they know nothing. They're puffed up with conceit. Okay? That's why we do our best here, and hopefully you do your best to get into this daily right here. Get into the Word of God. What does the Bible have for me today? That He's going to give me today my daily bread. And that daily bread is going to give me direction in the decisions I make today. That's why we come to church and we, and we read together and we study together and we, we preach together. Why? Because what is in here is so important. If we don't get what's in here, what we're saying is, God, we know more than you. Right? And Paul had some things to say about, about those people. They, they really have no clue. They have no grip on life. They, they really know nothing. Okay? Let me get down to uh, verses 11 through 20. And there's a whole chunk of stuff that we could talk about here. Where, where, where Paul now encourages Timothy. Timothy, all that stuff I just talked about, get away from all that. Flee that stuff. Don't go after the riches of life that, 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 that kind of contaminate right? What I want you to do is I want you to focus on godliness. Now listen to me once again, okay? Because in in this passage, it talks about, you know, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, okay? Now, listen to me. There is nothing wrong with being a believer and having money. What Paul is saying is, where's your heart at, right? Bible talks about this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you're a believer and you're a Christian and you're making money, awesome, okay? Just know who the one is that gave you the power to get wealth, right? Who's the one that provided the job? Who's the one that gave you those gifts? Who's the one that gave you those abilities? And you continue to surrender to that, and I guarantee you this, man, the blessings will keep coming and coming and coming. Paul encourages Timothy, though, man, to flee, though. Here's, here's what I want you to go after, Timothy. I want you to go after righteousness. I want you to go after godliness. I want you to go after faith and love and steadfastness and, and gentleness. And then he says these words. He says, fight the good fight and take hold of eternal life. Fight the good fight and take hold of eternal life. And this is when I was studying this week, this is what hit me the most, was this part right here. Because if we go back to chapter one, in chapter one, what's Paul doing? I urge you, Timothy, stay. Stay in Ephesus. Don't leave. There's some work there for you to do. Okay, now you gotta, you gotta look at this in, in, in its entirety. Okay, I doubt Timothy did what we've done over the last six weeks. I doubt that Timothy read a section of the letter, set the letter aside, and just dwelled, and said, that looks like chapter one to me, right? He does what all of us do when you get an email, right? Or you get a letter, what do you do? You sit down and you read the thing from start to finish, right? You don't just read a section and say, okay, let me get out my Strong's Concordance, Let's get a study group together, guys, and let's try to figure out what Paul was really trying to say, right? It was a letter to him, and the letter had a purpose. Yes, the letter, obviously, as we know today, uh, sets some things in order for the church, but it was more than that. It was not just the letter setting some things in order. If we look at it in its entirety, if we read it from start to finish in one city, let me tell you what it does. It begins to build you up. It begins to encourage you. It begins to empower you. It begins to give you strength. Listen to me. The spirit of the letter that Paul is writing to Timothy, he writes to him as a father would to a son. And he's not just giving instruction. Listen to me. When I talk to my girls, okay, I don't just talk to them to give them instruction. I talk to them to build them up, to edify them, to encourage them, to make the best daughters they can be. 
right? Because listen to me, I don't care about just what they know. I care about how they're doing, how they're feeling, how they're living, what they're going through. Are you with me this morning? And so when Paul writes this, he is not just writing, hey, I got to get this content to Timothy. Timothy, do this stuff. He's writing because he knows that Timothy is discouraged. He knows that Timothy is, is facing some stuff. He's facing some tough times. How do we know that? Because back to chapter one, he wants to leave. He wants to throw in the towel. He wants to give up. You read the same book I'm reading, okay? He does not want to be there. Timothy does not want to be around these people. He wants to call it quits. Paul catches word of this and says, man, I got I to give him a word of encouragement. I got I to I give him some stuff. Honestly, this letter reads like the best pep rally in the world. Y'all remember high school? You know, the pep rallies right before the big game. Everybody comes into the gym, the band's playing. Someone gives up, you know, and gives some dumb little speech, you know. Then the team comes running in, you know, and they all cheer for them, getting ready for the big game. This, this letter is that pep rally for Timothy, okay? Honestly, this, has anybody ever seen Braveheart? If not, get saved. Watch them. I'm just kidding. You know? And there's that epic moment, right? Right before the big battle, okay? Where Mel Gibson, back in his younger, probably better looking days, when he was more fit, right? Comes riding in on that horse, you know, with his face painted and his hair is flowing, you know? And he gives that amazing speech, right? They may take our lives, but they'll never take. Yeah, so you guys know, right? And it's at that moment, you're like, oh, I got to rewind that and watch that again, right? It starts to encourage you a little bit. You're like, oh, man, that's so good, right? This letter is like that, ladies and gentlemen. Better yet, it's, it's like, this letter is like one of those, those epic scenes in Rocky, right? It doesn't matter if it's Rocky 1, 2, 3, or 15, all right? And I'm sure they're going to come out with another one, right? But in those Rocky movies, there's always that scene, right, where he is beat up. You know, and it's like, it's like the 10th round and he's in the corner and he's, he's all bloodied up, you know, eyes swollen, Adrian, you know, <laughs> see, you've seen the movie, right? And he's just, he's, you know, he's sitting on his little stool and, 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 and he's there and they're squirting water on him, you know, and patting him down with the towel. Um, but then there's somebody standing next to him, talking in his ear, right? Encouraging him. It's the 10th round. No, I rock it. I know, I know, I know you look ugly right now. You know, you can get this guy. And what does he do? He's going through the last 10 rounds. Hey, you need, to, you need to get left, and then you need to jab him with your right, and then you need to give him an uppercut. And he's talking all this strategy and stuff in his ear to encourage him to say, hey, you can make it. You remember those scenes where, where Rocky would just, you know, he wanted to take the towel and just throw in the towel, right? He just was like, you know, no, this is not happening, you know? And there's Adrian on the side, throw in the towel, throw in the towel, you know? Right? I want to go watch a Rocky movie now. And he's there, and there's, he wants to throw in the towel. He's backed into a corner, and, and man, he's beat up, and he's bloodied, and he wants to throw it in, but someone comes along and whispers in his ear and encourages him and says, come on, Rocky, you can do this. Come on, you can fight this fight. Come on, you can beat this guy. Come on, you just got to do this and do this and do that, and man, you can take him. That's what Paul is doing here with Timothy. 
Timothy feels like he wants to leave. He's backed into a corner. He doesn't know his way out. And now Paul comes and writes this letter and literally chapter after chapter what he's doing, he's like that trainer whispering in his ear saying, hey, here's some things you need to adjust in the church. Hey, if you take care of this over here, hey, if you deal with this circumstance, you deal with that. Man, if you do this and you do that, come on, fight the good fight of faith, Timothy, you're going to make it. That's the spirit of this letter. That's what's taking place as Paul writes. It's not just a bunch of context for theologians to study over. It is literally a spirit behind this letter that would come to us today to say, hey, have you ever felt backed into a corner before? Have you ever felt like giving up? Man, what a powerful testimony from the halls today. Being sued by our friends. Being wrongly accused. This is happening. That is happening. I bet you there were times that they felt like throwing in the towel. There were times when they felt like giving up. But thank God for the Holy Spirit that would come alongside in those moments and say, hey, don't give up. You can make it. Come on, I got something for you. Come on, there's a little church. Come on, tucked away in San Diego. And when you get there, there's going to be a big sign that's going to reveal it to your husband. Right? This is encouragement coming. Paul is writing. Have you ever felt like giving up before? I know I have. I remember right before we started this church, we were ministering in, in, in Las Vegas. We were youth pastors, the young adult pastors, the, the, the school of ministry pastors, and the doormat, and the janitor, and whatever else, you know. And we were there, and we were serving. And some things just were going down, and, and I remember it was just bad. I, I can relate to what Timothy must have felt like. I just want to get out of here. I just want to leave. I, I don't want to be a part of it. And I remember having this conversation with my wife. And we talked, and we talked about selling our home and just packing it up. And you know what's bad when I said, babe, let's just move in with your parents. <laughs> I love her parents, but I don't know if I want to live with them. That's the conversation we had. Let's just call it quits. Let's just, let's just take a season off. Let's sell everything we have. Let's just move in with your parents. We'll figure out life. I, I, don't want, I want to throw in the towel. I want to call it quits. And then God spoke. Is anybody glad God spoke? And there's something I realized that that it's through your greatest test that you often have your greatest testimony. That it's through those times where you you decide you won't throw in the towel, but you know what? That same towel, and we talked about this before, that same towel that you want to throw in and you want to call it quits, you pick it up and you wipe the sweat off your forehead and your armpits, come on somebody, and you get back in there, come on, and you start swinging once again. Because your greatest test will produce your greatest testimony. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Man, you can't leave. Oh, Timothy, you've got to say, you've got to fight the good fight of faith. I know what you're up against. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. Have you ever been there before? Maybe you felt like quitting your job. Maybe you felt like quitting your marriage. Maybe you felt like quitting your family. Maybe you felt like quitting the church. You ever felt like quitting on God? Throwing in the towel? I can't do this anymore. This is difficult. I don't want it. And then the Holy Spirit comes along like a good trainer. Begins to whisper in your ear, hey, you can make it. Come on, you can do this. Don't, don't, don't give up on your family. Come on, don't give up on your kids. Come on, come on, don't give up on your, don't give up. Don't give up on the church. Don't give up on God. Come on, this is not the time to throw in the time. You've got to stay and you've got to fight the good fight of faith. 
I, I don't know about you where you're at today, but as I was studying, I, I just felt like, you know what? The Holy Spirit said, man, ben, don't, don't address the content, but I want you to address the spirit of the letter. And this letter, ladies and gentlemen, as much as it encouraged Timothy back then, I wanted to come and I wanted to encourage you. Because honestly, in this time of, of celebrating, and Christmas is here, and we're celebrating the, the birth of Jesus and how, how magnificent that can be, oftentimes it can leave uh, feelings of hurt, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, as you begin to think back about the year, people that maybe have hurt you, things that didn't work out the way you thought they'd work out. And maybe you're here today, and maybe you feel like, you know what, throwing in the towel. The Holy Spirit come along and say, man, don't, don't throw in the towel. It gets better. I love, I love what Paul does. I love what Paul does. Hmm. Paul does and gives these three things. He gives these three things. I want you to look at it real quick and and we'll be done. Verses 12. Right after he says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness. Fight the good fight of faith. Listen to this. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which uh, you made a good confession. What does Paul do? Paul brings back to his remembrance, Timothy, you said you could do this. Well, what changed between then and now? Circumstance. Okay, well, remember the faith in which you confessed this with. You said you could do it. You said yes to Jesus. You said yes to this fight. You said yes. You said yes to that marriage. You said yes to that job. You said yes to those children. Well, you mean I can't trade them in? No. Okay. You said yes. And Paul comes in first and foremost, reminds him, as he's encouraged him, the letter is built. Here's what you got to do. You got to get left. You got to get right. You got to give an uppercut. You got you to give a jab over here. And by the way, you can do this. Remember all those times you were training. Remember when you were working out. Remember when you were doing all that. You, you said yes, that you can do this. Reminds him of his confession. I feel like the Holy Spirit would come and remind you today of when you said yes to Jesus. When you said yes to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Or maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's not where you're at. Maybe, maybe it reminds you today of something a little simpler when you said yes to your husband, when you said yes to your wife, when, when you said yes to those kids, when you said yes to this and that, and you said yes to the move. To, you said yes to being a part of Urban Church. Right? And do you remember that? And then he moves on. I want to remind you of those things, man, because, because that's powerful to remember. I, I, love, what, I love what it says here um, that you were called to that you were called to, listen to this, take hold of eternal life to which you were called to, about which you made a, a good confession. He reminds him that he's called. This is, this is what the word called means, urgently invited to accept responsibilities for a task. Urgently invited to accept responsibilities for a task. Remember, you said yes to that. You were called. You were called. I, I love the word called, urgently invited to, 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 to accept responsibilities for a a task. I love what 1 Thessalonians 5, 7 and 2 Timothy 1, 9 say. It talks about what we were called unto. It's a holy calling. It's a holy calling. That he who called us is holy and he called us into a holy calling. You accepted it. You were called. But then here comes my favorite part of the whole entire letter. 
I love this part. Remember chapter one? We talked about it. It's about Christ. Hey, Timothy, all these people you want to leave, that you want to run from, that you hate right now, Jesus died for those people. Remember, we talked about that? <sighs> Brings in the context. Now look what he does. I love what he does. Now think about it. He's in the corner. He's beat up, wants to give up, wants to leave, doesn't want to be there, wants to flee these people, hates where he's at, ready to throw in the towel in the ministry. Paul reminds him of his call. Paul reminds him that he says yes. And Paul throws one more thing in there. I love this part. My favorite part of the whole letter, I think. I charge you in the presence of God. Anytime someone plays the God card, what, what, do, you, what do you say? Right? <laughs> I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy, you are called. Timothy, you said yes. And oh, by the way, remember that one guy that you look up to, the one that has gone before you, the finisher of your faith, the one that you've been following. Now, now let me just put it in context. This would be like, okay, the trainer in the ring, Whispering in the ear, hey, remember the boxer that you used to look up to? You remember that one athlete you used to look up to? Remember what he did? Remember when he thought he was out for the count? Remember when he, are you with me? Do you remember what happened with him when everybody surrounded him and accused him? You remember when everyone surrounded Jesus and said, crucify him, crucify him? Timothy, remember his confession? Timothy, remember when they beat him and whipped him? Timothy, remember when they put the crown of thorns on his head? Timothy, remember when they nailed him to the cross? Timothy, remember as he agonized in pain for hours on that cross until he gave up his spirit? Timothy, remember when they they took him to the grave and they buried him. Timothy, remember when they rolled the stone in front of it so that his body couldn't be stolen so they can make up a story later? Timothy, remember when they went to the tomb on the third day and they looked inside and he was no longer there because he had risen from the grave. Timothy, do you remember that guy? The guy that everybody counted it over. The guy that everybody counted it out. But he fought the good fight of faith for you and I so that, Timothy, you can continue on today. Remember when he stood before Pontius Pilate? Let's just go there real quickly as we conclude today. John. Chapter 18. Verse 36. We'll go to verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, listen to this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born 
And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Timothy, remember that guy? Timothy, remember that guy? And he puts Timothy's hero in front of him. Timothy, remember Jesus. Remember what he said. He said, man, this, I'm not of this world. Timothy, neither are you. I, I, I don't need the riches of this world. Timothy, neither do you. Timothy, remember, you were called. You said yes. And if that doesn't get you, Timothy, I, I've got to encourage you. This is the last words I'm going to leave with you. Remember the testimony of Jesus, the one that went before you, so that you could fight the good fight of faith today, right now, in this moment. What about you this morning? We've gone through a lot of content, but what about you today? Where are you at? Do you feel like throwing the towel in on some area of your life? Do you feel like giving up? Maybe you haven't got the answer that you've been looking for. Maybe you're discouraged in your marriage. Maybe you're discouraged with life. Maybe you haven't built the relationships at, at Urban that you're hoping to build, and you just feel like throwing it in. The words of Paul want to come to you today. I, I'm reminded of, of 1 Chronicles 30, verse 6. David had a lot of lonely moments. But this one had to be one of his most devastating. They had been attacked and everything was taken from him. Felt like giving up. But a voice comes. says, David, encourage yourself in the Lord. I want you to go after your enemy. And I want you to get everything back. Where are you at today? Do you feel like throwing in the towel? The word of the Lord wants to come to you today and say, hey man, pick that towel up. Get back in the game. Fight the good fight. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Set before him. He endured the cross for you. I want you to know something that you can make it. Just don't give up. Fight the good fight of faith. Look unto Jesus. Be encouraged. Pick up the towel and get going with what God has for you. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is living and active. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive in this moment, that, that the words that Paul wrote to Timothy, the spirit in which Timothy received that, and the spirit in which Paul wrote it. God, I pray that that spirit would rest on Urban Church today. I, I pray that right now in this moment, God, for those that, that feel like giving up, those that feel like giving in, God, those that, that, that feel like they're up against the ropes and it's the 10th round and they feel like they'd rather just throw in the towel. Lord, I pray that in this moment right now, God, you would encourage them. God, you brought them to this city for such a time as this. God, you brought them to this church for such a time as this. God, you brought them as a part of this community for such a time as this. God, I believe that you are doing something in their life that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered in their heart the very thing that, God, you have in store for them. For, God, you do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. And, God, I thank you, Lord, that if we don't throw in the towel and we don't call it quits, that in the middle of our greatest test, our, our greatest testimony is being formed. 
Jesus, your work, the work that you've done on the cross for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.